Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. Four-man panel tonight. Uh, two of us are in good spirits. Two of us are, are pretty pissed off. Uh, we've got a, a happy Juventino, a, a happy Laziale. They won for the first time in like six months. Uh, we, we, our special guests tonight, both you know, joining us uh, for... But I think second, third time, respectively, we have the Juventino, Daniel Lucci. We have Mario Galliano, the Interista. But before we bring in our special guests, let me bring in my co-host, Jerry Mancini. Jerry, before you know, we get into to Lazio's midweek victory, what's going on with your boy, uh, Felipe Caicedo? I, I keep seeing reports, and I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into it until... You know, Di Marzio or Romano are really backing it, and I, I get a here we go from from Fabrizio and all that. But I, I keep seeing these reports linking Caicedo to Inter potentially in a seven million euro. Say Juventus might be in the mix as well. Jerry, do you think that well within the next week or so you guys might be losing Caicedo? I don't know what to believe. I. This morning, it was rumored he was supposed to go to Inter for $7 million. Later on in the day, I saw that communications never existed between Inter and Lazio. So even the best, no shit, I'm going to tell you right now. Here we go. I know that Fabrizio Romano is probably one of the most well-known people out there. Even he gets it wrong at times, too. Um, what's the other guy's name? Di Marzio. Di Marzio. His credibility has sunk so low in, in in the last couple of seasons where he's dropped the bomb so many times. Um, I don't, that Nicolo Shira guy, he's a fraud. Go listen to, um, it's a, there's a, there's a podcast that they did about him. All he does, no, literally all he does is just takes tweets from other accounts and retweets. Really? That's all he does. His, well, his, well, the, 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 the thing that I find fishy about him is, in his, uh, I, I've never like, I, I've never seen the guy like broadcasting too much. Like, I've never really seen him in action. But every time I see his Twitter picture, he looks like he's 15 years old. Like, have you ever seen like the the Nico Skira photo? It's just like, am I really gonna trust this guy when it's like a high school student breaking transfer news? Like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what to believe. He looks so young, this guy. I want you to watch, listen to the football today, and they did an episode on him. And a lot of his work is not credible from him. Mm. Like it's just outsourced from other people. And he just waits and he just extracts it. That's all he does. He's not a, a source that really knows. And, and he's all for the clicks and, and for the for the views and trying to grow his account. But um, And I've also heard that half of his accounts uh, are not even real accounts. Like they're just made up accounts following him and stuff like that, I, I was told. So through the grapevine. But uh, wow. that, that was... Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing I've heard too as well. But um, in regards to Caicedo, the the price I just saw now is that Latito wants in, in around eleven million for for Caicedo, and this is Latito. That ain't happening. You know what, man? I I agree, but if he keeps on scoring goals, the value is going up. So if he continues to show that he can score goals, why not increase the value? Then they're not forced to sell him. Like they, I think at most 
he's going to leave in the summer if he doesn't leave in January. Letitia will not lose him for nothing. He is contract expires in 2022, I want to say. There's another year left after this. And here, here's the two factors. He would go to Juventus or Inter. I think more Juventus because he still gets to play in Champions League. There's more competition, and he knows that he'll be competing for a title with Juventus. And that's not that's not to say he wouldn't be doing that with Inter. I think that just the difference is he gets to play with Champions League still. So there's more competition, and he knows there'll still be more playing time for him. Now, the the downfall is he doesn't know he doesn't want to be a backup player. Mm-hmm. His whole reasoning of, of leaving Lazio in the first place is to become a starter. And well, to, to well, so, so then that that's not happening in either of those spots, though. Yeah. It's not happening at Inter or or at Juve. That's the thing. But I I was reading that he would be interested in taking either role because either team because they do they're at the top of the table and they have something to to, to play for. So at the end of the day, with Caicedo, regardless, he's not going to stay there long term. He's looking to get a an increase in pay. I don't know off the top of my head how much he's. I think he's getting two point five million a year or two million a year right now. I don't know exactly. He just got a pay increase last year. They restructured his contract and they increased his pay. Um, overall, it, it's a short term gap for Inter or Inter or, La, or Juventus. I think he fits better at Inter personally. I think he can play really well with Lataro or with Lukaku. Um, he he's that backup player that they're really missing. He he's that stopgap. Um, with Juventus, I don't know what their direction is ever. No offense, Lucci. I, I just when I watch them on the field, you, you don't you just don't know what they're trying to create there, game after game. I I just don't know personally. But with Conte, I think he can get the best out of Caicedo. I could be wrong with Juventus. Maybe he does flourish at Juventus and plays very well with a guy like Ronaldo up top or Dybala. So um, it'll be interesting to see. At the end of the day, I don't see him going. I don't see him leaving Lazio because the the price is too high and no one's going to pay that. So and and it doesn't. It's gonna and the fact. Sorry. If they do sell Caicedo, I was reading the last thing is they're going to get a left back. They're going to reinvest that money into a left back. And where I see now is that you get the left back that they really need because Stefan Radu is aging and they need a wing back as well. Mm-hmm. But you give Raul Mauro, or Mauro some playing time now because he's 18 years old and this guy was promised playing time. And, and we were talking about this in our chat group today. He's a promising player. I think he scored like 16 goals or something like that in the Primavera last year. Guy scoring like 16 or 15 goals can't be playing in the Primavera. It, 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 to me, that shows that he's just too good for, for that kind of type of competition and needs either playing time with the first team with Lazio or needs to be loaned out. So there's a lot of question marks when it, when it stems from Caicedo. But again, only time will tell. But if, if, if they need a wing back, or depending what happens with Lulic, there's a lot of question marks. And I think in the next two weeks, we'll see if uh, if something happens with Caicedo. So I'm going to bring in our special guests here. And let me first mention, because this is a good segue uh, for the first man I'm going to introduce. So midweek games, 9 a.m., I-, I was looking forward to watching Inter. You know, they had the chance, again, to go provisionally atop the table 
All they had to do was beat a Sampdoria side that they're heavily favored against. They should beat them on paper. And you never count out the Pazza in Inter, right? So you're thinking, hey, a, a victory over Samp, you go top of the table. And then Milan, who who is top of the table, have a really tough game against Juventus later in the day. So you might have a chance to go top of the table and actually finish the, the day, the match day, top of the table. And I could have not written the more Pazza script for the way the game plays out, right? It's not just Inter losing the game 2-1. to one. Dear God, it's the goal scores. Of course, Antonio Candreva scores. He he takes the penalty kick and knocks it home. You know, And that came, by the way, after Alexis Sanchez missed the penalty kick. I don't know why the hell this guy is even allowed to take a PK. He's now 4 of 12 in his career. 25% of his PKs, this guy made 4 of 12, but Candreva scores a pen. And then, of course, the other goal scorer, another former Inter player, Keita Balde, scores at the 38th minute. You know, Inter get one back from Stefan de Vrij in the second half. And uh, as I, I introduced Mario Galliano, who I'm sure was frustrated as I was, and Inter lose the game 2-1. to one. And Mario, I'm making a pledge, okay? I, I am going to observe a form of silent protest uh, against Pazza Inter because they've got another one of these goddamn 6.30 a.m. games. I think we're all four of us are in the same time zone. Um, you know, they, they've got Roma this Sunday for like the third time in four four or five match days, Inter is playing a 6.30 in the morning game. I'm not doing it to myself again. We're on a freaking Sunday. I have the alarm going off at 6.25 a.m. just to watch, you know, a crazy-ass performance. Because, God, I don't know what the hell's going to happen against Roma. Again, Inter's favored to win the game, but you know they're going to let in some stupid goals. Now, Inter and Roma, the last five times they've faced each other, they've drawn each of the last five matchups. So I feel like this is probably destined to end in some sort of a crazy draw, but I'm not going to put myself through the punishment after what this team did against Samp. I'm not waking up at 6:25 in the morning on a Sunday when the game's probably not going to be decided until the final 10 minutes anyway, when somebody scores a game tying goal. So I'm going to wake up at like 7:20 cause I usually wake up at like seven 37 40 anyway so i'm gonna wake up at 7:20 during halftime i'm gonna watch the second half and probably complain but i'm not waking up at 6 30 for enter again mario how are you sir very very frustrated a because of the result b because there's no shot i'm waking up at 6 30 nope absolutely no shot i'm a mid-20s young male who needs his baby sleep, you know? So you're going to be up late, probably. I'll be up until 3 o'clock playing Call of Duty, and then I'm going to go to sleep, wake up at, like, 10.30, and be like, oh, what was the score of the game? 3,000 text messages. Oh, this guy sucks, this guy sucks, this guy sucks. Conte out, Conte out, Conte out. You know, it's going to be, the way I see the game going, it's going to be a snooze fest. Like you just said, and I was hoping you'd touch on it, they tie every game they play. And not only that, Conte is playing away. So he's just going to play not to lose, obviously, because why would you play to win? You know, that's not – you don't need to win or anything. You don't You don't have the chance to go atop the table again. So it's – it's like I, I've never woken up for a 6-30 game. But don't tell anybody that, but – yeah, I, th- I think the uh, the two or three times they played that early this year, I've woken up every time. I set the alarm for 625, and even though, like, like I don't stay up till 3 a.m. like you do. Like, I'm asleep. I'm asleep by, like, 11, 1130, but it's still 
dude, it, it throws me off for like two days if I wake up at 630. So I'm not going to do it to watch that shit team when you know what's going to happen. So, you know, somebody's going to have a one goal lead. Uh, it's going to be the 80, 85th minute. And, it, and if Inter has the lead, like Mkhitaryan's going to score a game tying goal. Or if um, if Roma have the lead. Um, Inter's going to maybe draw like a penalty, like Hakimi's going to get loose in the box and get taken down. They're going to equalize because just make sure Alexis Sanchez doesn't come anywhere near the penalty spot. So it's the game is going to come down. I'm telling you, it's going to come down to sometime in the second half anyway. So I'm not waking up early for that. Now, let me introduce Daniel Lucci and Lucci. I owe you a thank you. Okay. Because for as frustrated as I am about Inter's performance and they failed to go top of the table, uh, a bad day. Could have really been a catastrophic day if Milan had beaten Juventus in in the afternoon. Um, and again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, if my team has a bad performance earlier in the day, I'm not going to totally stress out over other teams helping me because Inter only have themselves to blame. But in the big picture, um, had, had Milan won that game, they'd be four points clear of Inter, not one point clear. And, and Lucci, you're a Juventino. How important was that for you guys? That, that was a six-point swing. If, if you lose that game, you're 13 points back of Milan. Instead, you're seven. Yeah, a huge win, a huge team win. Um, and it helps us, you know, obviously in the standings, but I think it also helps us, our confidence a little bit, you know, going into Milan, although they weren't, you know, they didn't have a full squad, neither did we. Um, but going there and, and pulling out a much-needed win, I think will hopefully help us. Um, for the rest of the season, although, you know, we're going to have some tough games coming ahead. We still have uh, Sassuolo this weekend, which won't be easy. But it was it was definitely nice that they showed, um, you know, when they did tie it, when Milan did tie it 1-1, we kind of came back in the second half, and uh, I'd say we dominated pretty much that whole second half. Milan had a couple chances here and there, but I think we we held it down well. So it was, it was nice to see, finally, you know, a, a, a good, solid performance throughout Hey, what's going on uh, with Juventus and COVID right now? Because I saw that uh, the Delict has has tested positive, and and obviously before the Milan match, you know, Quadrado and Sandro had both tested positive. So, um, is there anyone else I'm leaving out? Like, how bad is it looking right now? For now, I know it's just confirmed those three, but at this rate, like between now and Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised if we come down with at least one or two more at this point. The team's been together for the past, you know, week, week and a half. And uh, I guess it, you know, people, the players were out doing whatever over the holidays and some guy, one, someone came back with it, started spreading it around. And uh, we saw Milan had a couple cases as well. So it looks like it might be going through the, you know, the entire Syria. I guess we'll see if some other teams come down with it, but uh, it's, it's three now and three and counting anyways. So we'll see how that goes. So I got one more question for you. And then I, I want uh, Jerry to flex a little bit about Lazio's victory over Fiorentina. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, you know, you have long been singing the praises of Federico Chiesa, even though Jerry and I made a habit of slandering him, you know, in a lot of the earlier shows that we did. Uh, he he's he's looked like a different man at Juventus. I know that you predicted this, so I give you credit for that, Lucci. Um, and and he had himself a game against Milan. And uh, and listen, I'm uh, I'm not gonna try to be the the spiteful interista to talk shit about Teo Hernandez because I rate Teo Hernandez. I do, but I I think that a game like that reminds us that his defense is light years behind. His offense, that what he provides in defense is not anywhere near what he provides in attack. Agreed. I, I think uh, he was 
finally exposed by the speed and, and you know the feet of uh, Kesa and and even the first uh, 15 minutes or so in like he could have received the yellow card he two pretty tough challenges on Kesa one high boot and another one a knee to the back so he's lucky to get away without a card and it wasn't you know he, he did get exposed but even he left um, you know I saw Milan fans ripping on Romagnoli for having a bad game but when his left back is you know in the other half it's kind of hard for him to help support you when you're defending so yeah you can blame Romagnoli all you want but Teo was no nowhere to be found to help him out and um, yeah it's nice to see Chiesa finally stepping up and I know I've I've heard it from you guys I've heard it from people on Twitter that oh you know he's overpriced bad decision making you know he made Fiorentina as crap as they are blah 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 but <laughs> goes to show Fiorentina is struggling just as much if, if not more without without him so you know, I'm glad. Well, I'll take him in, on my team any day, any day of the week. And uh, Fiorentina can keep losing to Lazio, and uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I love how you're throwing shade at Fiorentina. When how long ago was it that they beat you guys three <laughs> nothing? How many wins do they have this year? Two. You know, and and you know what? They always play us tough. Every they do. last year, I, we tied yeah. them. I think one one or zero zero. Years before that, uh, Giuseppe Rossi had like a hat trick against us. So. For some reason, Fiorentina always has our number. So, Jerry, um, you know, uh, Lucci mentioned Lazio beating Fiorentina midweek. That had to have been cathartic for you, like like a weight lifted off your shoulders for Lazio to get that win. Caicedo scored early on, five minutes in. Uh, your guy, the legend, Ciro Immobile, scored what would turn out to be the game-winning goal at the 75th minute. Uh, Fiorentina would convert a Vlahovic penalty, 88th minute, but Lazio held on for the win your big takeaways Jerry from that performance and, and how good does it feel to be in the win column um before I even get into the win I I, I want to give praise to Chiesa as well because <laughs> I, I said mm-hmm. off the air to, to, to Lucci this is going to be a Chiesa segment show where where I'm going to slander so many people who are against him because well like yourself I, like I, me? I, I didn't like him at the beginning and we had our reasons and I thought he was really bad at Fiorentina. Like they, how many changes, how many coaching changes does that guy had to go through before, like what four, five, six changes? So that that didn't help his development. What six different formations? So I was in the column that he was overrated. I thought that he wasn't that player that everyone hyped up to be. But when you really put with an open mind and you really think about it. And I'm very quick to judge. But as I've gone to watch more of Chiesa and just to develop my, my understanding of the game, like I always say, like I'm always trying to grow and learn. And one aspect I've learned is Chiesa and what he can actually do as a player. And what a difference you can do when you do have confidence. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing is that he lacked confidence at Fiorentina. Fiorentina is a piece of shit club. That's what I'm saying. It is a shit club because they ruin players. You know who the next player is going to be? It doesn't matter. Camiso and his big mouth. He's going to be the next Lotito. That's what he's going to be. With cheap pockets, he's going to be. Okay? Big mouth. That's what he's going to be. That guy's going to be stingy. You think he's going to throw money to to invest in that club? I don't think so. Another American owner that's going to ruin another club. Um... Uh, Gaetan Castrovilli. Castrovilli, yeah. Mm-hmm. He needs to get out of there. He, yeah. They are going to kill that guy. That guy there, I watched him against Lazio. Unbelievable. 
But the problem is he's got no one to play with in that midfield. They, they leave Lirola on the bench, which I don't know why. I think he should be starting, can offer much more than just coming off with 10 minutes left in the game. Um, I think he's pretty decent. But overall, I just don't like Fiorentina, personally. I, I love the fan base. I think that they have some of the most passionate fans. I got nothing against them, but as the club itself, it's so shit because they sold it from one shit owner to the next shit owner. And I feel so bad for their fans because they were so happy um, to get rid of the Dele Valle brothers. Like they yeah. thought, oh, this is amazing. These were terrible owners. And and look, you know, because because uh, Comiso, he's like a used car salesman because he talks a big game, right? Like when Comiso took over, it's like, li- listen to that. He's so he has so many aspirations. He's so ambitious. You know, and and a lot of people praised him, and 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 maybe maybe this is deserved because the first summer when he took over at that time, you know, Chiesa had had agreed to terms to join Juventus, and he he just refused to sell him. He's like, I'm I'm not my first active business here when I buy this club, I'm not going to sell you know the best player, the most valuable player. Like, no, he's too important to Fiorentina. I want to invest in this club. I want to keep him around. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I think. Um, the biggest area where Comiso has failed, in my opinion, and I, you know, personally, I can't speak too much to the finances of the club. I know everybody's hurting because of COVID-19, but I, I can't really speak specifically on Fiorentina's finances. But I do know uh, Comiso has done a terrible job selecting managers. I mean, an mm-hmm. absolutely horrific job from, yeah, I mean, first it was um, Montella he brought back and then you know, Yakini and then uh, getting rid of him for Prandelli. Like, he, he's really done an awful, awful job. And uh, and listen, we, we know how important managers can be. And, and if you're going to be selecting loser after loser after loser, you're putting yourself in a terror. Like, how do you expect a guy, you know, a guy like uh, Castrovilli to develop if, you know, like you said, he doesn't have enough help around him on the pit, but he also doesn't have managers that can really nurture him? They don't have no. a striker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Canceled, uh, they just canceled. Yeah, so now they have um, who's that other idiot they have? They have some other bum playing striker now, Palavich, Kwame, and uh, yeah, Kwame. I, I thought he was gonna be so good a couple years ago. Palavich shows up against Inter and, and like Juve, and Juve. yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> don't hear about him, and then he's the best young striker in the world all of a sudden like what is who is this guy yeah buy a freaking striker get some help um do something with that freaking club because they have so much they can do with it when you got Bora Valero taking up minutes in that midfield yeah I don't think you're gonna do very well exactly like he was good 10 years ago yeah exactly oh that is a way to start my segment on the Lazio game Borja Valero was atrocious Versus yeah. he's, he's 100 years old. What do you expect? I was like, oh, how about this, Jerry? Started? Jerry, Antonio Conte thought he was too old. Doesn't yeah, that yeah. tell you something? That says something. I guess he made senior senior citizenship for uh, Fiorentina. If you're too like, old for Conte, you're done. You might as well retire. Pretty much, um, You know what? The first three minutes reminded me of what I watched when Fiorentina had played the, the recent match this past weekend against... Um, I just... Don't even remember who they played, actually. Oh, Bologna. The first 10 minutes, they, they were dominant against Bologna. They controlled the play. They blew their freaking load. All of a sudden, they disappeared. They did the same thing against Lazio. First three minutes, they came hard. They attacked them. 
didn't equate to anything. Lazio gets their first chance of the game. Beautiful buildup from the back end, which I haven't seen all year long, and equates to a goal. Mm. Um, I don't know how Cherby's not a wing back yet because he is better than both of our wing backs. Mm-hmm. It, it is sad because when he can cross from the left side with his left foot accurately and, and do a better job of what Manuel Lazzari can deliver on the right and Marisic on the left. And I know that Marisic is not a, a true left wing back, but when when, you're, when your center back is doing a better job, it, that kind of concerns me sometimes. So, um, Chiro Immobile, impressive. Guy was a delt, wasn't supposed to play. He, he missed practice on Tuesday, takes the practice Wednesday morning, is listed as um, as a starter, comes in, and looks like nothing was wrong with him. Yeah. I don't know exactly his injuries. Got, like, inflammation or something in his leg or, or his quad or something like that. I don't want to, like, quote word for word for it because I don't even know. But it's something that he's been dealing with all season, what the announcer was saying, and he's been doing a good job of managing it. I don't know how this guy plays every single game and look like he has not missed a game. Like he he looks he 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 doesn't look like he's played every game in every minute. He never looks tired to me on the field. He just keeps on going and going and going. His uh his form is is very good, I, I must say. And he he put in an impressive shift for Lazio. Um, very fortunate, I would say, a little bit that he scored that goal. The uh, the Fiorentina goalkeeper, Jargoski, did a poor job of, of trying to get the ball off the corner kick. It was a good delivery from Luis Alberto. And then he kind of just redirects it right towards Immobile, and he's right in the right spot. I guess a striker's touch, be in the right spot at the right time, rifles it, scores, gets his 11th, only three back of, of uh, Ronaldo. Imagine if he didn't miss all those games this year due to COVID. I know yeah. it's the same. You, you can say the same thing for other players, but it's not even about the record and, and being the leader. I just think that his stats would be even greater this year had he didn't miss any time. But I guess you can say the same for, for many players. So it's not fair either, right? Well, and Jay, they, you and I were talking about this earlier. Like he's playing a lot and, and he's carrying, you know, minor injuries, but. Is there going to be a time where they finally run him into the ground and he has a serious injury and he's oh, you know I done agree. for five games? Like that's going to really hurt them. And, and Italy too in the summer. If you think about for Euros, if he's you know injured come early summer, he's he's not going to play. But but by the way, I, I want to ask you guys, and I know Jerry follows the French league more than I do. Is it um, is as Moise can been balling out? Because it seems like, uh, and, and maybe it's just because. Uh, I follow that dude Sansone, who's who's obsessed with Moise Kane. So he's always tweeting about him. But like, it seems like every every time PSG plays, this guy's going crazy. So hey, maybe God forbid, Chido Immobile isn't a hundred percent for the Euros. Maybe Moise Kane steps up and scores like seven goals in the tournament. That'd be nice. Yeah, he's doing well though. From under Tuchel, anyways. You know, now with Pochettino, yeah. I don't know if he's gonna maybe go back to a party. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't think PSG games. I don't think he, uh, Sansone is a Moise Keane fan. I think he's an Icardi fan, honestly. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. He, he constantly tweets about Moise Keane, constantly. Uh, I think he's a Icardi FC uh, member. <laughs> is that right? He's always watching He's always, you know, I think he's watching it and using Moise Keane as a front. 
<laughs> but um, in regards to Latia, the, the only thing that was their downfall and they could have got the clean sheet was a poor pass from Strakosha right directly to, to Jose Calion, um, brain fart, I'll call it. Hmm. But aside from that, he really looked good with his passes from out from the back end, like crisp. And he didn't make a rash pass to nobody. So that, that was really encouraging. He made the key saves. He bailed out Patrick from a, a poor pass to him. So that's kind of why I'm, I am I do kind of forgive Strakosha for his kind of poor pass. And the fact that Wesley, who was, it was a really weak call on him as well. I don't think there was enough to really give, to warrant the foul and the penalty for Finantino. I think it was kind of a, a soft one. I know that he kind of had his arm on him, but if you watch the replay, I find it was kind of a very soft call towards Wesley Hoot. Um, not his fault because he's in a vulnerable p- position where he, he doesn't react quick enough because everything happens very quick. Poor pass towards Kalyan right at the edge of their box and it ensues in a counterattack, results in a penalty. So they weather the storm at the end. They get the three points. At the end of the day, they, they, they need to build off this now. It, it wasn't pretty at times. Um, Sigrid Milinkovic-Savage, I thought he was our best defensive player in the whole match. Mm-hmm. He made a lot of very good clearances. He cleared the ball off the line with a header, saved the goal. That guy there, when he's not engaged offensively, he's on the other side defensively, he steps up. So that's what I love about Savage is that if you think he's in, if he's gone absent in one aspect of the game, he steps up in other areas. And that's why I think he's so like pivotal to like their midfield where he's that box to box player where he can cover a lot of space and his aerial height, like his, his, the way he wins challenges. I've never seen a player that can win challenges in, in their own end. So precise, like he does. And that's why Milan was able to beat Lazio in that last minute because he was not on the field. Mm-hmm. Whereas against Fiorentina, he won so many balls by by p- being in the right position, just just knowing where he has to be. And that kind of player, when he's not on the field, it, it leaves him vulnerable in, in set pieces, I've noticed. Especially from this match, I, I saw how, how smart he is and where he really is that that physical presence, his height really comes in. So, and now you go against Parma versus Roberto Diversa. Um, you know what? I I hate playing teams when they get a new manager because yeah, the first game, first yeah. game is always hard. I don't care what Parma has done till today. Um, that's out the door because Diversa is not a bad manager. I think that he will get the best out of his side. They'll be highly motivated come Sunday. There are a lot of injuries. I think Galliolo got hurt this past Is Jorginho out? I mean, sorry, not Jorginho. Jorginho? He's out, too. That's a a big big loss. They're just keeping him fresh for that inter move. Just just keep him healthy. (laughs) Bring him home. I I love that guy. The last thing I'll I'll keep it at is, is what Lucci has alluded to with Immobile. I just want to see more squad rotation. That's all. And, and Joseph said a good point. Maybe the fact that Lazio has been in such tight games this year, 2-1, 1-0, it's been hard to, to give playing time to certain players. That may have changed the course. And because it's such tight, close games, it's hard to just bring on anybody and give them that playing time. But at the same time, 
you you have to break that barrier and start giving. I know that a lot of people don't like the Vedat Mariki, and 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 Andreas Pereira came on loan, and people are saying, well, why do we care about his development for the future? He's just on loan. He's just a rental player. It doesn't matter if he's here for six months or eight months. You got the players that are available to you, like Wesley Hoot to Akpa Akpro, where he's looked good and he's looked bad to Escalante, who's been one of our best additions. And you just got to keep riding them. If you only play them for 200 minutes, how do they build chemistry, develop? Yeah. Like, look at it's Atalanta. True. As much as I hate Atalanta with a passion, they develop young players so good. They give them the chance. They give mm-hmm. them the 30 minutes. Like a Messina. Messina's been flourishing yeah. this season. Like, yeah. I don't, oh, Piscina, thank you. But like, uh, I butchered that guy's name. But um, <laughs> well, I've heard you like, do worse this. than that one. Oh yeah, Devrige. Devrige. But yeah, I just—it doesn't hurt as well to, to give them that extra playing time like, against the Genoa's, the 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 Bologna's, the Fiorentina's. That's when they can come in and make a difference. They lose, you lose three points. But you're 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 looking at the long term where a guy like Correa wouldn't be hurt today. A Cherby wouldn't have missed time. And that goes for other teams too, man. Like it, you got to It's a different season. It's a condensed schedule. Like mm-hmm. you're, like you just said it perfect, Lucci. I could be going on and on forever, but it's a. I'm just happy we got the win. It, it wasn't well, always pretty, but that's it. Just now, to add on to you, Jerry. Like just because uh, you know you don't start Immobile or Korea or whatever, you know you preserve them a bit. And if you are losing or you're tied late, you can still bring them on. At least exactly. you know you're you're preserving as as much as you can. You know you still want to get the points, of course. But you know if they're starting every game, of course, eventually you're going to come down with some kind of injury. It's just usually how it goes. You know what's scary too? Lazio has not won two games in a row this year in Serie A. Really? Yep. That's Jeez. that's the concerning point now. Yeah. Well, knowing that stat, I'm actually surprised you guys have, you guys have as many points as you do. That, mm-hmm. That's that's shocking. Yeah, I was looking at it today, but. In the bright spot, Immobile has two goals and one assist in the last three games versus Parma. So I, 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 I you keep can score like against Parma, no question. Don't worry, yeah. I'm, I'm here all day to stroke uh, Chido Mobley and his nice hair and his stats and his finesse. Don't worry, I'm, I'm pretty. Oh, I'm, uh, I have all my Chido Mobley ammo. Jerry, how do you feel that Caicedo makes more than him? Makes more than who? Chido. No, he doesn't. Chido Mobley just got a new contract. I think he's making three point five million a year now. Oh shit! I was just looking on Google and it says, uh, "Yeah, three for oh. three for Caicedo. It's now three point five for Immobile." Yeah, apparently he's getting a new contract extension. I, I was reading they they well, maybe have it hasn't a- kicked in yet. That might be why. Yeah. Maybe the extension hasn't kicked in. No yeah. way, Caicedo makes more money, man. They, Mo- play, they pay him that much. They pay him three million to come off the bench. That's what I'm saying. The night, the ninetieth minute savior. He, he's worth uh, everything. You know for that, you can you can keep him, Jerry. I don't want him. You can't, yeah. call, you can't call Lotito cheap though. That's one thing, man. <laughs> and that's another thing. Hold on. As much as, as people say that Lotito is cheap, he doesn't open the pockets. You say that all the time. I I want to I want to <laughs> put some of the blame on Tade. Todd has got to stop buying these Kosovo players and these Albanian players or the, the, his, his nationality players. And, and no disrespect to him, but you got to start looking elsewhere. It didn't work with Badesha. 
Vavro, like, stop blowing money on these guys where you're you're hoping they work out in Serie A and get talent that is true talent that, that can equate, like La Liga. Look at Escalante. It's working out because he played in a top three league. Um, yeah. Fares, I, I'm still... Sorry? How are you going to find the next Dybala or the next uh, Kjaer or the next... Um... I don't know anybody that Palermo's ever signed. Those are from <laughs> countries, you know. Todd has been stinking it up for the last two, three years. I'll be honest. Like, as much as we want to be mad at, at at the investments that have been made by of Mariki and like Mariki was twenty million. You can't That's get a lot mad. of money, man. That's a lot of money. That you can't is. get mad at Latito when the money is being invested. It's how you invest it now, and now. For what has equated, he's gone to the pitch and trying to figure out what's going on. So he's left the ball in Tata's court. Now I don't know if this wasn't be, wasn't communicated with Inzaghi and what they decided to do, but I, I have nothing against Mariki at the end of the day. I, I I don't like the performances I've seen this year. I've already written a piece on it about how I feel, and 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 I think a lot of it has to do with injuries, COVID, not having the preseason, so. It's not entirely on him, but when you know you needed a center back and a, and a left wing back, and you know Lulic is no longer the player he once was, I, I'm i happy we have four strikers. It's helped this year, but you, you have other areas that are more dire concerning, and, and they were neglected. So now it, it becomes a, a very major concern moving yeah, forward. Yeah, you have, you have four strikers, but he hasn't done anything, so you would have been fine with three. It's yeah. true. It's, yeah. No, you're right. You, you could put a Pereira into that spot because he's yeah, exactly. You're right. But at hindsight, I didn't think it like that. At hindsight, you're thinking Alberto is going to be sorry. Pereira is going to be back up to to Alberto, and you're going to have Correa and Immobile now mm-hmm. finally trying to rotate with Mariki and uh, Caicedo. Um, that, that that never became the plan because Mariki didn't join the club until like pfft. yeah yeah he joined late and whatever like but didn't work out so uh, think of think of it this way though especially when you're you're on a tight budget if you spent 10 million on a striker who wasn't Mariki you still had 10 left over to buy another center back or something true. then you would have had an extra player and save an injury somewhere else you don't know right it, well you know it's not just Lazio that goes for any team but but still. Right. No, that's true. Well, why would you spend twenty million on a four striker? That, that yes. doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. Yeah, it's very weird. These are things I never really thought about when when the market was going on. To think about now, go well, and you look back, you're like, well, you knew a left wing back. Well, you got Fadis, so you can't really complain about the wing back position. You thought Fadis was going to come and do the job, but the center back position could have been Kumbula, twenty million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Like. I, I I sometimes don't know what goes on in the dressing room and, and like in, in the offices, sorry, and these decisions. But and they're not the only team, though. Freaking yeah. inter- some signing retired players and Juventus well, doesn't yeah. have a strategy and identity. is the future of Italian soccer. Let's just get that out of the way. So you better watch your business. Euro 2008, that was, what, 15 years ago. <laughs> They were going to be the promising strikers that won us the tournament. And you know what? They almost did. <laughs> let, let, me, uh, let, let me, let me, let me segue to uh, 
I want to give you guys uh, my two biggest takeaways in terms of the title race. These are my two biggest takeaways from the Wednesday games, okay? Roma's not going to compete, right? What's that? Roma's not going to compete for the top four spot. For a top four spot, yeah, they're not going to compete for the title. They'll compete for top four. Top four. No, yeah, they'll compete for top four. I'm not guaranteeing they make it, but they'll compete. Sure. I think it's going to be between them and Napoli, I think. for Or yeah. you know what? Even Atalanta's there, too. They've been hot. Yeah. They're, they're in seventh now. They're ascending. But, but yeah. as far, guys, as, as the title race is concerned, you know, obviously, Juventus getting the win over Milan. It, it was, for me as an Interista and for Mario, that was convenient because that kept Inter within a point. Um, but... Be careful what you wish for, okay? Because Juve is now on a winning streak. Um, that was that essentially kept them in the title race, and so certainly, and we're not even at the second half of the season yet. So, um, had Milan beaten Juve, I'm not going to say they would have been completely out of the title race, but 13 points back, that would have been a mountain to climb. Or seven points back, you know, that's you, you can make that up in in three match days, and you still have more than half the season to go. So, be careful what you wish for. Because uh, Juve is still in the title race. That's my first takeaway. And then my second takeaway, and I want to get Mario's opinion on this, is that uh, is that <laughs> Jerry's making me laugh. Sorry. But my, and now I get to stare at Cheeto for the next couple minutes. <laughs> but my, my second takeaway, and this is in terms of Inter, um, you know, despite the disappointing result, yes, they're very much in the title race, just to point back. But the most concerning thing I thought about the game against Sampdoria was Romelu Lukaku was getting a really important rest. He did have to come on, which is a problem. But he was getting an important rest because he picked up a minor muscular injury over the weekend. So he was he was held out of the starting 11 as a precaution. And the big problem that I see for Inter is I thought that match illustrated how dependent Inter's attack is on Lukaku because how lost and disorganized they looked without him is a real concern now for inter's title chase it's you know uh, obviously this is not a good thing in the big picture but a good thing for the title race is no champions league and no europa league so you don't have to do as much squad rotation anyway but you get the feeling with what we saw against samp for inter to be a true title contender they are going to have to run romelu lukaku into the ground and they're going to have to hope he doesn't get injured because they can ill afford to sit him even against poor sides. They can ill afford to sit him. Now, maybe I'm overreacting to one game because, you know, Lautaro didn't have a particularly good match and Alexis Sanchez had a horrific match. But I thought the big issue that made Alexis look even worse and missing the penalty kick obviously was bad, but I'm not even talking about that. I thought what made Alexis look worse was there was so much disorganization in the final third with the way the players were making runs. I, it happened maybe a half dozen times where I kept seeing Alexis try to make these back heel and no look passes uh, and just to players who weren't there because they weren't making the runs he thought they were making. And I'll be honest, from my couch, I don't exactly know whose fault that is. Maybe it's Alexis's fault for getting too cute. Or maybe it's the midfield and the and, and Lautaro's fault for not making the right runs. Like there's probably a little bit of both to be blamed there. But without Lukaku, that attack looked like headless chickens running around and it just wasn't good. So the unfortunate thing that I see, and I hope Big Rom's body is up to the task here, uh, because he's a very physical player when he's on the pitch and he runs very hard. I mean, Mario, tell me if you agree or disagree with this, but really 
Um, unfortunately, Inter, I, I think, is are so Romelu Lukaku dependent that you really can't afford to rest this guy more than a couple times for the rest of the season, or you're not going to really remain in the Scudetto race. Uh, I like half agree with this. I was talking with with Anthony and, and, and to a wide the other day about this actually, and it's a really interesting thing because uh, if you look back at the last five games that we've played or so, we've had like 20, 21, 27, 14, 17, and then like nine clear like not clear but like good chances created if you look at our attack. So the problem mm-hmm. is we need uh, Lukaku to to create or to be there to, to score because the chances are there. The problem is it's the execution. And we've seen it with Lukaku and without Lukaku that we can create tons and tons and tons of chances and we, we get one goal, maybe two, a penalty. But it's not the same. And I know a lot of people blame uh, Conte for this. The thing with this is, is that Conte sets them up to play a specific way and it's up to the players to execute, right? So, um, what was I going to say? <laughs> um, so it's not like Lukaku's dependent on inter-success. Like, yeah, sure, he puts the ball away more often than the others. But the chances are there. It's up to Martinez, who we look at time and time again, who pisses me off every mm-hmm. single game we watch him because he's, if he's not missing 25 chances – He's giving the ball to the other team every chance he gets. So, um, like it, it's I, I don't fully think we're reliant on Lukaku as it is. I feel like he's just a safety net because it's kind of just more consistent. But I don't fear because we have Alexis who can score. We have Toto who can score. He's just stupid sometimes. And the midfielders are all capable of getting into positions. Now you throw in. Um, you throw in like a Sensi, maybe you change it up. You throw in an Ericsson, you, you you for more than 15, 20 minutes at a time. In a, he more- sucks, man. Get get over it. Ericsson's done. Get over it. <laughs> no, you throw him because we're gonna be stuck with him. Yeah, we might be. Nobody wants to buy him, thankfully. <laughs> so hopefully everybody gets hurt and can play. Um, <laughs> we lost Nyingolan. He, I mean, I, I, w- I was hopeful he would play, but, I mean, I didn't expect much from him, to be honest. Um, but, I don't know. Like, the attack just needs... It, it's hard to say, like I said. Because Lukaku is a player say. that you need to have on the field at all times. I get it, yes. He's the biggest, strongest, fastest, and most consistent player we have up there. But when he rests, the chances are there. Alexis scores that penalty... It's a different game. We might not. We're yeah. not losing the game. I, I yeah, can guarantee. Not maybe not guarantee, but I like the chances of us going up one nothing to Sampdoria than us going down one two nothing. So, uh, you know, it's yeah. Not, that penalty changed everything for sure. Yeah, like once you see that, you see Alexis miss it, where he steps up confidently, but he misses. What are you gonna do? You bounce back or you don't. The team didn't bounce back. Obviously, uh, Sampdoria had what like. Four or five chances the whole game, I want to say. And they buried half of them. They, mm-hmm. they scored a penalty and they scored a ball this chance, unfortunately. So, I mean, you need a lot of luck, but also comes down to uh, to the players at the end of the day. Like the selection. You can choose Toto a million times. He hasn't done anything. Put in Alexis with Lukaku. Put in um, 
That's actually really it. Now that I think about it, we don't have another. Yeah, plan. because because they're trying think. to get rid of Pinamonte, you know, and it's and it's funny you brought up no one wanting to buy Ericsson. Um, really, anything that Inter wants to do in January, as far as bringing players in, it's all dependent on being able to move Ericsson, even if it's not a full sale, even if it's a loan, because his salary is is gigantic. So even a loan, and then they need to unload Pinamonte as well, even if it's on loan. But the problem is with this January market, everybody's poor, especially like the smaller clubs. Like you, like you would yeah. want to send Pinamonte, and they're talking with Benevento, and maybe it happens with Benevento, maybe not. They're looking at a few other strikers, and and maybe they'll find lower cost options because I'm sure Inter's, you know, because uh, his, his salary uh, is not low even for a player of his stature. He's got Mino Raiola as his agent, so I think that tells you all you need to know. And there'd be a loan fee attached to it as well, so he's not going to be easy to move. Erickson's got a gigantic salary, and he's barely playing and barely performing, so his his value is very low right now. And you know, over the last couple of weeks, you know, before the window even opened, you've got reports being written about oh, Inter are interested in Rodrigo De Paul in January, which would be really expensive, or they're interested in Papu Gomez. You know, they would have to come up with somewhere between seven ten million for that. But you've noticed the last few days. Those reports have gone completely quiet. The people aren't really writing about that stuff anymore because the only way anything can happen is they've got to unload Pinamonte and they've got to unload Ericsson. And it's an uphill battle for both because no one wants to pay for anybody right now. But I, I want to bring uh, Lucci in on this conversation as well. As far as your takeaways, as far as the title race goes, because I thought Wednesday was a really important round for the title race, even though you know yeah. Inter failed to take advantage, but then... Juventus bail Inter out, but Juventus also get themselves in the Scudetto race. So how are you feeling coming out of midweek? Well, I feel a lot better than, like you said earlier, if they lost, they would have been 13 points back. At that point, yes, you still got about 15, 20 games left, whatever it is. But making up 13 points on three, four teams ahead of you is, you know, and going, you know, beating everyone is not going to be easy, uh, especially with a tight schedule. But now Inter's only one one point back. They play Milan, I believe, one more time, right? They've yeah. already played once. So like that that could change um instantly. And Milan uh this weekend, I believe they have Torino, their former coach in uh Giampaolo, who we all love so much. Um I love so if some if somehow Torino can pull out a draw or something, I don't know how they can do it, but they have been playing a little better recently. So maybe Balotti can put the, he does love scoring against Milan. That I do know. So maybe he can put the team on his back as usual. Um, but yeah, when it comes to Juve, uh, Napoli also losing was a big one to 10 men. Spezia, that was incredible. Um, but yeah, so now we're, we're, we're making our way back, which is good. We got to play Inter a few times. We got Milan once more. We got Napoli twice. So we, we still have some big games ahead of us. And um, I think hopefully we can bring in one or two reinforcements in the January transfer window. Obviously, cheaper options that are, will be more short-term than anything. Um, but uh, now that we see with COVID again, you know, we're missing three, four guys with COVID injuries. So the squad's even getting thinner. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who who can come in and, and if we can keep putting together some wins. So, yeah. Sherry, what do you think about the title race? Who do you think should be favored? Uh, Milan, Inter, do you put Juventus in the mix? Roma, how about Roma, you guys? No, fuck that team. Um, I, you know what, man? I just think that Roma's overachieving. And I was writing an article on them today about I'm already preparing for the the derby for next Friday, 
And when you look at who they've lost to, I know that they had the default loss versus Verona, but when it comes to like the upper echelon teams, they've really struggled. Yes. Atalanta dis- dismantled them. Um, Napoli dismantled them. Mm-hmm. And you, you look at the, the Juventus game where they failed to capitalize after a good start. And then as the game wore out, they, they were down a guy. They were up a guy. And Juventus turned the game around and looked better down a player. I still remember that game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Their inability to even beat teams in the top 10 when it's been presented to them, they have failed to take a stranglehold on them. Sassuolo, they didn't take advantage of them either. They didn't beat them. They tied 0-0. So when I look at these performances, that's what really sticks out to me and why I don't feel that Roma will will be there in the long run. I think that Europa League will catch up to them now that they're going to start to play better competition. They were able to rotate their squad properly because they had already clinched the group like with two games remaining, I want to say. That really helped them. You could put in young players. They can like give other players rest, which they did right. Now, when you're beating Parma 3-0, Genoa 3-1, you're beating the teams you have to. But I think sure. the opposite between them and Lazio is Lazio has shown to, to, to they've competed with the top teams and how I still feel they can turn their season around. Whereas Roma hasn't shown me any inspiration of what they can do with the top 10 teams. They have to... They have done what they had to to beat the lower sides and stealing those points that you're supposed to. But I, as the season progresses, that gives me a little hope when, I, when I'm a, as a Laziale fan where I know that we we went toe-to-toe with Juventus. We went toe-to-toe with Inter. We stole points against Napoli. Like we, have, we were close to beating Milan, and I know Milan were missing players, but we were kind of like injured as well too. So... That's where I, I, I kind of see the difference. Now, with Juventus, I think Juventus is the team you still have to reckon, and, and that's the team you have to take down. I don't care if there's seven points back. That To me, that's not that's not enough to, like, to defeat um, to, to defeat Juventus. And that's this, seven points. That seven points can disappear really quick if, yeah. um, you know, because M- Milan has some has some injury issues, and, and if, if, if psychologically... You know, because sometimes you lose a tough game like they lost against Juventus. If that can stay in your head, if they go on a tough stretch and Juve keep winning, that seven points can can disappear. And I'm saying this for Inter as well, six points up on yeah. Juve. If they go on a slide too, that six points and that seven-point lead can disappear within a few weeks. No, we're you're gonna, right. We're going to drop points regardless. But, like, even Atalanta, I hate them to, to, to guts, man. Like, I can't stand the team, but... They keep on staying around with the big boys, and you, you can't mm-hmm. count them all. The only problem with Atalanta is I find that they're too streaky. They they blow their load, is, is how I call that team. They go 5 nothing one game. They go 5-1 the next game, and then they go three games without scoring a goal. They're very, they don't balance their scoring out where they can beat teams 2-0, 3-0, They destroy teams, and then they go... MIA for three, four games. So they're just an up and down team that that kind of concerns me. I think Sassuolo is going to dip off big time. Yeah. It, you're starting to see it. They're struggling so hard to, to keep up with. with and now Berardi's hurt too. Yeah, Berardi's hurt too. He's out. And I'm going to go to Inter now. 
Never mind UC Milan. I'm going to Inter because I got to watch Inter on Wednesday. And oh, no. <laughs> I, I still think that this team can compete for the Scudetto. They're, they're lucky that they don't have to play on two fronts. Copa Italia, yeah, yeah they have Copa Italia, but it's not. There's only what two or three games left in that. The fact that you you don't have to rotate Lukaku it is such a a blessing for Inter because that first 45, 60 minutes where he was out of that game, I had said earlier on one of our pos, podcasts with Lucci is that I thought that Barella was the guy who made the difference for this team, and, and without Barella they'd be lost. It's the opposite. Now, I know that they, they really struggled to to advance the ball and, and get into the final third without Lukaku as well. But when they did have chances, it didn't equate much. I thought Lotaro Martinez was effective. He had his opportunities. But what, what Lotaro can't do and what Lukaku can do is hold up. He yeah. can hold the ball up very well. He can get his players into position. He can get them upfield. They can attack better. Um that was really missing with Lukaku. I think that even his ability to, to strike the net, he, he had like two or three chances within like 10 minutes in the second half. The game became more wide open. They were mm-hmm. they were still creating chances. But at the same time, the concern with Inter is that they can't go up middle of the, of the field. It's the same thing. I felt that all their plays went through Hakimi. Now, mm-hmm. if you guys saw it different because... I just well, you have no one on the left side. So what do you exactly? Expect? Bingo. So, so if, if so, if you're going to attack from the wings like that, and you only have one wing you can attack from, you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah, that that's what concerns me now. It's not, it's not so much their strikers and, and, and if they can score goals, we can criticize Martinez, Lukaku, and whoever and Sanchez if you want. But if you're not getting the delivery service that you need, the balls that are supposed to come in 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 benefit to their strengths how can you blame them in the first place they're just there's no service um their their midfield i thought Great for the first time how is there no service from who i i'll, I'll agree Gagliardini looked like a sack of shit man oh, i agree the faster we get him out of this team the faster we'll freaking move up the standings i like him but i i also realize where he does not help you is that he he, he provides he provides good energy. He runs very hard. I like that. Okay. I think that he, I, and, and, yeah, and I but guess, why would you not play Sensi, though? When you well, have someone here's the thing. And I'll, I'll tell you why. This was not officially confirmed. But unfortunately, our sweet boy, Stefano Sensi, they not can't again. play him on a pitch like that. Like, mm-hmm. did, did you see that oh, pitch? Oh, yeah, it was ugly. I mean, you, you, you yeah. can't play a sweet, fragile boy like Stefano Sensi on a pitch like that. You just can't. No, he would have died. The going to attack him. Next time. Yeah, you're right. But even what else is concerning, no ball came from the midfield. Barella didn't have, I was probably one of Barella's worst games I felt that he played in all the season. And that's, that's what concerns me now. And this is where me and Lucci could be right in one aspect <laughs> is that when Barella doesn't have a good game, who carries the midfield now? See, well, well, I don't know, Jerry, because like, like Mario was saying, Lotaro still had his chances. He still created chances. He just couldn't score. That's, he scored a, a hat trick a week before, and this week he ran dry. I don't really blame Barella for that. And and now that you think about it, maybe that's why Conte likes playing Vidal with Barella, because he has Vidal doing more of the dirty work, getting the ball to Barella, so he can create more more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Although you know Vidal's not the player he used to be, and whatever, whatever. But maybe that's why he's he plays as much as he does. 
I don't know. I, I just think um, Brozovic, if you guys can sell Brozovic for a profit, sell him. He's on. Yeah, I, no, I, no, I, yeah no, no, not in this economy. The, the, the time to do that would have been like last year. A year, yeah, like yeah. like a year, not, not even last summer, like to like a year and a half ago, like like uh like two summers ago would have been the time to do that. But Ashley Young, like we said in our last pod this past week before uh, the Inter Sampdoria game, where we're talking about his stats, and I was butchering them. Joe was calling me out on on, on the side. I, I butchered his stats, but stinks. Fucking stinks, okay? Yeah, he's, he's not good. I, 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 oh, you, you, you tried to tell me, and I thought, oh, Jerry's got the stats in front of him. He must be correct. He tried to tell me, like, Ashley Young hadn't scored since, like, 2006. Like, I don't know what you told me. <laughs> said the way he sounded like, you made it sound like he scored, like, nine goals in a year, man. The guy no, not last year. He was scoring goals. That's what I yeah, said. Like, last season, he scored a handful of goals. Goals? Four goals, that's it? He's a left back. What, yeah, what do you expect season. from him? Four, four, four goals in like six in like five months, six months. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking overhyped. He came from Manchester United. It's like, oh, this guy's the next thing. Oh, well, fuck. Oh, nobody you. said that. Nobody <laughs> said that. <laughs> I don't know who said that. Nobody said that. We're not talking about Muriki over here, best striker in the world for Lazio. You know, we're talking about a 46-year-old Ashley Young who came as a ro- as as a squad rotation player yeah. who ended up playing because everybody else sucks and Biragi sucks and everyone was hurt. And now, you know what? I'd kill to have Biragi back. Side. I would take Biragi back at this point. I think Biragi's ten times better. At least he can cross the ball. Oh, that guy stinks. He lost his. Oh, the squad. get out of here! You're he you was good doing, after man? lockdown, Mario. After lockdown, Biragi was like a different guy. Are because you kidding? Points for my liking. Yeah, but Ash- Ashley Young's dropping you point. He's not great defensively either. Yeah, I want Darmian. I, I that's I don't see why you yeah. wouldn't play him there. Well, you, you, you know what? You know what the big mistake was, Mario. We we have to get Federico Di Marco back from loan. He, he's or actually not even loan. Like he, they sold him, but with a buyback clause. Yeah. He's at Hellas Verona. The kid mm-hmm. is scoring bangers. Like yeah. every time this guy scores. It's a worldie. It's like a it's like a goal of the season candidate. Every time this kid scores, we gotta now now they they can buy him back in the summer. I don't think they can bring him back in January, but they could buy him back in the summer. But a guy like that is needed right now. I feel yeah. like Conte doesn't like him for whatever reason. I don't know why. Because he because he's not thirty. True. Yeah, I'm telling you, like he's like twenty two, whatever it is. Like like a Conte wanted to send him away because he's not experienced enough. But I. If, like, I, I hope Conte is watching the goals that guy is scoring. Because mm. if you want goals from left wing back, hello, a guy that, you know, player you own is scoring goals. Yeah, he's yeah, great. He's great on the ball. Yeah. Like, I would, like, Perisic, I think he could be really good under Conte because he has that, that, uh, that work ethic that Conte loves. He's good with both feet. But I feel like he's, he's too restricted towards, uh, like, he was when, when Nicardi was, was here. He's, it was strictly... Run straight down the line, cross it to Icardi. That's it. Your job's done. Now, if you watch him with Croatia and if you watch him with Bayern Munich, he had a lot more freedom and he was very, very impressive when you watched him play because he does whatever he wants. Like, yeah, sure, now he's, he's not playing in a position he likes, though. I mean, you're playing. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't fit in that position. Right. He's not very defensive minded, which is probably why Conte doesn't trust him too much. He he has the work ethic to go up and down. So, like Teo Hernandez, does he like defending? Obviously not. Does Hakimi no. like defending? He does not. Darmian had to teach him how to defend. But at least Teo Hernandez is fast. Like Ivan yeah. Perisic is not fast. Like he he he's good at like 
He's good when he's on like the left side of the penalty area, like taking defenders one on one. I think that's really like the only thing that he's good at. Like he's not he's at least in this system, because you're right. He was a lot better at Bayern, but also Bayern, you're surrounded by world class players. Maybe it's a little bit different, but like but at, at Inter, all that I really see for Perisic is like he's not fast. He's not a great finisher, but he's really good at like buying time in the penalty box so guys can make runs inside because he's going to take a defender on one on one, cross it near post and hope somebody can finish. But it's just I, I don't think he adds enough at wing back for this team. He doesn't. But at the same time, he what he should be doing, which he could do, which he likes to do is cut into the middle and take those shots. If whether it's good or not, it a shot is a chance and a chance could lead to a goal. A chance could lead to a mistake that leads to a goal. So, like, like I said, I feel like some of these players are just being restricted by Conte, his system, Erickson. You look, he looks like he's, he's, he's like, I can't make a mistake, or else I'm yes. gonna get something off after just coming on. You True. see that because you don't see that Tottenham where he was literally making runs from the middle of the field, all over the place, opening this to the field. He's, he's playing, he's playing scared. Gagliardini comes on, he wins the ball, he gives it right back to the team, he gets the ball, kicks it out of bounds. Like you, it like if you want to win games, take this guy off the field and put literally any other midfielder. We had the most depth in the in Serie A and probably the Southern Europe, but you know Conte uses the same four people. You don't have Sensi because he's half dead half the time. Eriksen he chooses not to play for whatever reason. Nangolan doesn't play. You play the guy, he's gonna he's gonna get you points because look at what he did at Cagliari. He played forty five minutes, he almost scored like seventeen goals. Mm-hmm. You know, like he looked good on Sunday actually, or this past midweek, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Cagliari. I thought he really I, I was actually taught saying this, like when he left Cagliari this first half season, like he's been missed. That that midfield has really missed that that presence where he's able to really carry that ball up and yep. that creativity. That's mm-hmm. the word. And and now that he's back, they look like they have it, uh, that that second engine where he can keep going. But there's one guy on that team who is a big flop, and I want to give credit to Lucci here. He called it all in our chat group. Is Nandes, and he has been a disappointment. He used and to I be so good. Gonna, I thought he was going to be good, but he had a good or decent first year. But then ever since that, he's he's fell off. Yeah, man, and. One player who I do like a lot, and, and, and Pavoletti. This is a guy who came off an injury last year, played two games, came off two successive seasons with uh, Coyote where he scored, like, double-digit goals. And um, unfortunately, he got hurt last year, like I said. and mm-hmm. It really derailed him. But he's slowly progressing back this year, and he's looked effect- effective every game I've been able to watch. Even when he doesn't score, I think he filled the void very well when um, Gio- uh, Giovanni uh, Simeone was uh, injured. Even like like I said, even if he doesn't score, he he opens up space. He gives. Mm-hmm. He's another person you need to be worried about and who to cover. And and I just like him a lot. And, and Juventus has been linked to him. You said and that that I would prefer him over Caicedo. I think he has more to offer than Caicedo. I think, he's he has, diff- I think he's a different type of striker. Yes, but I, yeah. I, I do think that Pavoletti would provide a different type of striker that maybe can benefit at Juventus. Yeah, so I, I, see, I see what you're bent. saying. You know who's really impressed or who I've liked when I've watched them, though? Um, uh, Ricardo Sotil, the yeah, winger. 
he's fast and he can play. I don't know why Fiorentina let him go. Oh no, it's good though. Don't worry, no, it's good. He saved his life. To this <laughs> he's he's, play, he's probably he's playing a lot more. Yeah. He might actually develop now. <laughs> they bury players there, man. Baragi has to go, man. If, if 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 it's true that Lazio can buy him and, and it takes Caicedo, I sometimes wonder is it maybe it's worth getting rid of Caicedo and bringing in Baragi. Yeah. But he, he he's a a good wing back for Lazio. I think that you you don't like him, Mario. I personally just think that you guys probably just didn't use him right in the first half and he got better in the second half. He probably just got more comfortable in the second half of the season, you know. He's got limitations. Like, he's not, like, he doesn't have incredible touch, um, but he, he's got good fitness. He he, he runs. He, he's very active. His crosses are, are decent. He's got a good shot. He doesn't have a lot of control over it. Um, so it's why it's why he doesn't score a lot, but when he does score, it's usually like the type of goal, like, all right, I, I see that. Uh, but no, I mean, listen, he, he's a workhorse. Like, you, you could do worse. I mean, uh, I like You just said two words, track back and crosses. If those two aspects can be covered by any wing back and do it properly and just good enough, because it's hard to find a good wing back today. Mm-hmm. If they can do those two aspects of the game on a on a consistent basis at a at a good level, that's enough for me, man. Because I don't really find a lot of good wingbacks today that can actually consistently. And even Hakimi has shown that, even especially he, on the left, because there are a lot mm-hmm. more right wingbacks than left wingbacks. Yeah, it, it's hard to find a good wingback. Even Hakimi has shown at times where he's struggled in games, and he's one of the best up and coming probably. Um, it's it's a position that is not easy. It's not just biragi shit. It, it, it's a demanding position where you're you're yeah. expected to like cover a lot of space, go back and forth, and like it's it's. And you know what the the craziest part is? Sena Lulic is a left wing back and a right and a right footed player. That's the craziest part. That bugs me. I hate that. that. I'd rather have someone insane. on their comfortable side. Yeah. Because he's probably. I saw people like they they did like the the top ten like the top eleven like all time city all list for like the decade and and they rated Sena Lulic as the best wing back, which oh. was impressive like for for like the top eleven and they thought the left wing back position was solidified by Sena Lulic and I was watching a few games when I I never had coverage so I got to watch a few games of him that guy there was a. a Pretty damn good wing back. I didn't know how good he was, but he freaking can play that position. He was fast, speedy, can make good crosses, covered the space. Like I didn't know how dynamic he was as a wing back. And problem is now we see him at 35 years old. He's no longer the player he once was. But and now he's Ashley Young. Uh, <laughs> better than Ashley Young in one leg, but probably I so. Still- yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Well, hey, uh, I I got I got to wrap it up, guys. Um, so it, it's been a really fun episode. I want to give our guests the chance to, if you guys want to plug your social media, or if you're, uh, I know Lucci may have been working on some stories for World Football Index. So Lucci, I'll start with you. If you got anything to promote from your social media handle to anything you've been writing, the floor is yours. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Daniel Lucci. Anytime you want to talk some Juve or Italy or Calcio or whatever. Um, talk like Chiesa. Yeah, talk Chiesa for sure. Um, Alex, like you mentioned, I got a, been doing a few articles, most most of them on Juve. I've done a you know Bellotti, 
I got a couple coming out actually on one player Jerry just mentioned, uh, Matteo Pessina on Atalanta. I've liked what he what he's been up to, so I'll be having that one come out probably within a week or so. And yeah, follow me. I'll follow back. We'll we'll chat. What about you, Mario? And Mario, uh, don't I owe you congratulations? You re- you recently got engaged, right? Yes, I did. Thank you very much. Congratulations, congratulations man. Right. I know I'd mentioned on social I'm media, but I, I wanted to throw it on the pod as well. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know he had a girlfriend in the first place. <laughs> I forgot. I don't, I don't get into people's personal lives, man, unless they tell me. That's, that's just <laughs> one, man. It's not my... Uh, I, I think I saw it on Facebook because Mario and I are friends on Facebook. Uh, but let, let the people know, man. Where can they find you? Uh, Twitter. I'm on uh, Mario Sweatshirt. Uh, picture of Erickson over here. You can't miss it. You know, best player. Um, Instagram, Mario Dowski. You know, I'm on uh, Inter Worldwide. You can check out our, our Roma preview on YouTube. Um, I can send that link. We can retweet it if you want, whatever. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm over here every now and then when... When uh, Jerry remembers to invite me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, our pleasure. And and Jerry, you working on anything? I know you've been writing a lot for the Laziali lately. Well, if I took a picture, I have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine files open of articles. Wow. I I have like at least nine articles already written and they just lie around and I just get lazy to finalize them. and And then I just start a new one. Like, yeah, I, today you I get bored. I just get bored. I, I I wrote a piece on Lampard today and how he settled in well with Matt, with Chelsea. And like, I don't well, that, think that aged well, like a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, you might want to delete that one. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna get fired by the end of the year. There's a trend where since uh, Carlo Ancelotti got fired. They've been more reluctant to give their managers more time compared to what they used to be under Roman Abramovich. So, I don't know. Conte had two years under his belt, and then um, there was somebody else who had two years under their belt too. I, I just went MIA on it. But what, Di Matteo? No, Di Matteo had a, had a fallout. That's why he left mm-hmm. early. He was an okay. exception. There was something wrong with him in the dressing room. I, I read about that. There was somebody else I forgot. And Mauricio Sarri would never have been fired either. He would have given, he would have been given the flexibility of a second season had he not wanted to, to leave as well. I don't think he was going to get fired. That was just a mutual decision. So there's a, there's another manager I forgot who it was, but they've been more flexible in in the, in the last decade. I was reading about how they are with their approach and managers and and with Ancelotti when he got fired. They they realized the mistake because he had finished in second place that season. He got fired yeah. and took the Champions League. So mm-hmm. was it Conte? That, sorry, was it Conte? No, Ancelotti. Conte, Conte was another one. Did two seasons, and then there was the whole turmoil and with the him between the management, and he probably would have stayed on even longer if there wasn't all that bullshit. So. <laughs> But yeah, that that's one of the pieces I wrote. Uh, some people will agree with me, some people won't. And I got another one on Senna Lulic, possibly returning to the lineup for Lazio and what it can mean for the club. So nice. Well, you you guys can uh, you can follow Jerry at jmancini8. You can follow me at Alex Dono. I'm 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 too lazy to write, but I'm usually just talking. So you you can catch. Uh, Obviously, you can catch me here on the Calcio Connection. You can catch the daily shows that I do at onsideradio.com. 
And uh, and make sure you follow the show, man. Follow us on Twitter. The Twitter account is always growing, even though like we don't tweet nearly enough from the Twitter account. But it's still like, God bless everybody, because I don't know. We're at like 630, 640 followers. I don't even know why you guys bother, but we appreciate it. So you can follow us at CalchoCon. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was Mourinho. That's who it was. Oh, oh I, I should have said that because I, I was even thinking about that. I should have said that. It's Mourinho. So yeah, I don't know, man. Well, anyways, I'll, I'll end it there. Or else I can, I'll, I'll keep going after that. <laughs> you, you can, you can just keep talking. Like after I wrap it up, you can just keep talking. We'll have another episode in the can. You can just keep <laughs> talking about Mourinho. <laughs> and then you just send me the recording. Here's here's Jerry rambling about Mourinho. But now you, you could make sure uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the podcast because the audio only. It's good to take it in the car, listen on the go, everything like that. So uh, Calcio Connection, search for it on all the podcast platforms. And if you're listening and maybe you want to watch on YouTube is, uh, you know, we got Mario wearing a lot jersey with a Christian Erickson background. We got Jerry with uh, with Cheeto Immobile's beautiful face behind him. Lucci has the uh, the Juve. Wall Pat, wallpaper, Weston McKinney, Morata on there. Uh, I've got Antonio Conte's uh, ridiculous face behind me. So uh, it's fun to watch on YouTube as well. Just search Calcio Connection on YouTube. We'll talk to everybody next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.